Hey guys, welcome back to Next Level Health and Crypto, where we talk about taking your health to the next level. And guess what? We also talk about some cryptocurrency. All right, recap of the week health-wise. For those of you that know, I am currently in a strength building program phase, which means I have three main lifting days. I try to do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. In between those days, and I think this is probably... Maybe it could end up being actually my favorite month out of any of Jeff Cavalier's programs. I know that's kind of crazy, right? I've done a few of his programs multiple times over. What I love about it, I lo- I've always loved corrective work because I'm posture for me is crucial when it comes to lifting, having proper form, and just not only is it just aesthetically you look better, but just, it feels better when you have better posture. And again, just less less likely to have shoulder injuries, knee injuries. Everything's better when your posture is better. That's that's what I've experienced. So, what I've what I love about this program I'm currently on is, yes, we have our three three main lifting days where I get to do all the heavy lifting. I get to do the squats. I get to do the bench press. I get to do all my favorites: the the back rows, the pull ups, all the classics. But in between that, I have two days focused solely on abs and correctives. And I've always felt like I've had the sharpest six pack during this month because I have two full days dedicated to doing a ab circuit and then also doing my corrective work. So I love it. Now, normally when I'm doing other programs, I will try to fit in this corrective and ab work when, when I can, right? Maybe at the end of a workout, I'll throw in some ab stuff. Maybe I'll throw in a corrective exercise or two. And I still do that. But the problem is I just don't have the same oomph. I don't have the same energy to do abs and do correctives when that's at the end of a full workout that I just did, right? You just, you kind of, you're already sort of checked out, right? I already lifted for 50 minutes to an hour, maybe even longer for some of these. I'm kind of, I'm tired, I'm hungry, right? Last thing I want to do is go and do face pulls, is go and do um, an ab circuit, right? I just don't, the energy isn't there, the excitement isn't there because I just worked out for an hour and a half and I'm tired, I want to go eat. So yes, you know, I have been able to still maintain the correctives and the abs, but not to the same extent because again, I'm already fatigued usually, not super happy about doing it something like oh, that's right i still gotta do abs however when it's its own separate day where literally just that day the focus is abs and the focus is correctives i have a whole different mindset about it i'm excited i'm looking forward to the next day because i know oh i'm gonna get to hit my abs hard i'm gonna hit the correctives hard and i get to just focus and hone in on those two things and that is what i absolutely love about this program because I have two full days. Sometimes I'll even do a third day on those two rest days. I'll still go and just get in some extra work, some extra corrective work, or maybe hit the mid delts a little bit or the forearms or whatever, whatever muscle group I know could use a little extra work and, you know, muscles that don't always get hit during the main lifts. So again, I've always had the best six pack I've ever had on this program on this month specifically, because when I do abs, I, I'm fresh and I'm excited. So I, I end up doing a lot more abs. I end up doing them with a lot higher intensity. And I mean, I actually look forward to it. 
I actually look forward to abs. I know what you're thinking. That's crazy, Tim. I don't look forward to abs when it's at the end of a workout and I just spent an hour to an hour and a half in the gym and now I'm going to go do an ab circuit. I am not looking forward to that. I am actually dreading that. So because we have this separation, all of a sudden it's like boom. So, of course, no, not surprisingly, my six-pack comes in real nice during this month for that reason. So have been really enjoying doing that. The ab circuits are great. I also just love doing, again, I'll do face pulls. In fact, one of the, one of my new favorite face pull variations that I've been doing, you got to get on the cable machine that has the dual cables right next to each other. And you take your right arm and you grab the left handle and you get, take your left hand and grab the right handle, okay? And you kind of set it to about, I'd say maybe a couple, like a foot above your head, right? You want it to become, you want the angle to be coming down, a down angle. You don't want it necessarily to be coming straight at you, straight at your head. You want to have a slight angle downward. And so you will just pull and then try and rotate your thumbs back to try to point your thumbs behind you as you're pulling, as you're, and before you even start this movement, you squeeze all the muscles in your upper back. You tense that, you squeeze that, you get the shoulder blades back and squeeze, and then you pull, and then you, again, you get that nice resistance and that peak contraction of all the muscles of the upper back, the traps, the rotator cuff, the uh, rhomboids, the uh, rear delt. My rear, my rear delts were popping after doing this exercise for a couple weeks. Because, again, I think it's just a great face pull variation. Highly recommend it. I still do the other face pull variations, but I found this one is is just the most effective for me. I don't know why. There's something about it. I think what I also love about it is you get a great stretch, right? So as my arms are forward in front of me and crossed, I'm actually getting a stretch on specifically the rear delt as well as the traps and the, and the rotator cuff are all being stretched as I'm holding this cable out in front of me because of the resistance... I'm missing the word here. The uh, the resistance. Uh, there's a word for it because the area of resist. Like if I'm using a weight, right? You only resistance curve. That's the word I'm looking for. So so you get an awesome pre-stretch on the rear delt, on the upper back before you even start the movement to get that great resisted back squeeze. And then you're doing it again. Dan, I'll get. I'll switch. You know, I'll do right arm over left and left arm over right just to make sure no imbalances are being created. But I absolutely love this variation. I my, It fires up my back immediately. After I'm done with it, I feel amazing. I feel just my like there's so much blood flow in my back that's just propping me up that I'm like, oh, this feels so good. Because obviously, you know, I spend a lot of time editing on my computer and I spend a lot of time on my phone uh, trading crypto. And so I'm a lot, I'm bent over. My, hold, my shoulders are, are hunched most of the time. So when I get this, when I hit this Facebook variation, and my whole back is lit up and filled with blood. I just, it's like, oh, this is this is the way I'm supposed to be. This is the way I'm supposed to feel. <laughs> I'm not supposed to feel hunched over all the time. So highly recommend that variation of the face pull. Do them every day or at least twice per week for three sets. Hit them hard. Get that good squeeze. And, and you will notice a difference in your, in your posture big time. And just in how you feel immediately too. So highly recommend that one. Another kind of weird exercise that most people think is weird, but I actually have found has benefited me greatly is actually the neck curl. I know what you're thinking. Okay, the neck curl. The neck curl. Oh, what do you Tim? Some some bro over here doing a neck curl. And look, see, 
when you're on your phone or you're on your laptop, right, and your head is tilted forward, right, you are stretching not only the back of your neck and the back of your traps are put on stretch for long, long periods of time. Okay, this is what irritates our neck. That's why so many people, you see them straining and like rubbing their neck, right? Because your traps connect all the way up to about the middle of your neck. So anytime your head is hunched forward, you are putting your trapezius, especially your upper traps, on a, in a stretched position. And over time, this will cause you pain, not only in your neck, but in your shoulders and your upper back, because it's just not designed to be on stretch for that long. So one of the ways that you can prevent this from happening is doing neck curls. And I'll try to describe it to you the best I can for those of you auditorial listeners out there or learners. So if I lay on a bench with my upper back on the back of the bench, okay, and I, my my legs are flat on the ground on the other side. So I'm almost I'm almost doing like as if you were gonna do a do the a barbell uh you know, where you have it on your waist and you're squeezing up to contract your butt. I'm almost in that position. My butt's contracted. My back shoulders are on the bench and my, my head is free, right? My head has free space. I'm, my head isn't, the bench isn't behind my head. There's nothing behind my head. So my head can get fully stretched back. So then I, what I do is I take a medicine ball and actually put it on the top of my forehead. Okay. And I use my hands but I only use my hands just to make sure to keep the ball in place, right? I'm not using my hands to really, you know, use all, to take away the resistance from it. I'm just trying to keep it in place. So then, of course, then I lower my head all the way down. And you want to, like, let your neck stretch as far as possible. And you'll notice right away, you'll feel amazing because your neck flexors, which are always hunched forward, your chin's always forward, how often do you actually... Your, your hip flexor, your neck, your neck flexors actually get stretched out in the opposite direction. It's probably almost none at all. So not only is this weight down on your fo on your forehead now, and now you're getting in this beautiful stretched position where your neck is being fully stretched, and that's just going to feel amazing in and of itself. And then on the way up, right? And again, I'm just using my hands to keep the ball in place. I'm trying not to take away too much of the resistance from my head having to do, my neck having to do the work. Now I'm lifting my head up and I'm trying to squeeze my neck into almost as, as if you're trying to make a double chin on purpose. You're trying to squeeze your neck as far down and into your chest as possible while that weight is on your forehead. And so after a few reps, you'll notice, oh my gosh, this is actually freakishly hard to do uh, because my neck flexors are so weak because they're always in this shortened position hunched forward looking at some sort of screen. So I will do these at least three to four times per week, at least a set of 10 with, and I'll try to go till fail. I'll try to go till failure. I try to go till I like, I'm trying to lift my neck up and I just can barely get it. And I'm squeezing the neck in and boom. I've, so I've noticed a huge different, huge difference when I'm doing that exercise because guys, your posture follows your head, right? If you lean forward, your head weighs a lot. And it brings everything else with it. It brings your shoulders. It brings your back. It brings even your lower back starts to round, right? If your head is back the other way, well, guess what? It's going to bring everything else to it. It's going to bring your shoulders back. It's going to bring your lower back up and straight. It's going to bring your chest back and stretched, right? Your head is the key to unlocking good posture. 
because it's just so heavy <laughs> and your body will always, you know, go with what whatever the direction your head is in. Have you ever tried to shove someone in their shoulder and they don't move and then you shove their head and watch their whole body literally fall backwards because it everything is going to follow your head. So this uh, studying this as um, someone who studies PT, I've realized how important it is for me to be hitting my neck and those neck flexors so that way my neck is straighter, right, and can hold itself up, thus bringing everything else with it. So that has been a crucial, crucial element. I really highly recommend doing that uh, exercise to help with posture. So those are two big posture exercises that I do pretty consistently. The, uh, the third one, which I believe is, is quite important as well, would actually there's two more there's two more that are amazing these will like heal your knees like they have literally i don't even have knee pain anymore because of these two corrective exercises the first one being you actually take your shoes off because you want to try to activate your your i'm blanking on the name all of a sudden uh, your on your foot i'm looking at my foot right now you know that uh, arch so you're trying to activate the arch of your foot number one Okay, you don't want your, your foot, if you have flat feet and your arch folds inward, you want to make sure that you, you are contracting uh, the arch of your foot during this movement. So you just get into a squat position and then you're going to get a plate. Um, I like to use a 25-pound plate. You could go lighter if you want to start. And I just get in, the, in my normal squat position, what I would do while holding this 25-pounder, and I try to sink as deep as I can into that squat. Okay, to where my... my butt is almost in contact with, you know, my, the back of my heels, right? You want to get as low as possible in the squat. And what's great is the weight will kind of help you to actually really get in a full, a full squat as deep as you possibly can squat. And so you just hold that weight there, hold that weight there and move the hips around. You know, another real big reason people get knee pain is because their ankles are stiff, because we wear these shoes with way too much support. And so it stiffens the ankles and your ankles are not flexible. And so when you try to go do squats or do other things, a big part of being able to squat is ankle flexibility. And if it's not there, well, then your, your, your body's going to shift that load to another part of your knee that, that isn't designed to handle it because it can't get that stretch from the ankle. And that is going to cause a little inversion in the leg that kind of will have to twist slightly in order to get you into a squat because it doesn't have the ankle flexibility to actually get you into a full squat. So while you're in the squat position, you're actually going to lean forward on one side as far as you can. You want to stretch the the your ankle out as far as you can. So you're going to try to lean your knee as far forward, making sure to keep the heel in contact with the ground the whole time. So you're, if you have if you lack ankle flexibility, the ankle is going to want to come up as you lean that knee as far forward and over your toe as possible because you don't have the flexibility there. So you need to fight to keep your foot on the ground while you lean that knee as forward as possible, getting a great stretch on the Achilles and getting a great stretch on the overall ankle and, and, and arch and everything there. All, that, all the muscle in the back of your leg kind of right underneath your calf is going to be put on stretch. And that that right there, you're going to do that on both sides multiple times, five to 10 second holes on each side, going back and forth, back and forth for at least, I'd say, a minute. 
because you are providing your body the ankle flexibility that it needs to actually maintain a full squat in a healthy way. Okay. And then you'll then then once you're done with that, you'll do a few squats holding that weight again going as low as you possibly can, letting yourself sink deeply into that squat and you're just doing that over and over again, up and down, up and down, 5 to 10 reps with that weight again, activating the quads, activating the glutes and activating your ability to get into a full deep squat. And let me tell you guys right now, I have tried so many exercises for my knees, so many, the, all the, and some of them I still do because some of them are still important. But this right here, this exercise, this stretch has far and away made the most difference to my knees in years. I've spent years, years trying all sorts of different regimens, trying all sorts of different corrective exercises, different glute work, different quad work, different hamstring work you know, even doing upper body stuff, like whatever I can do to try to somehow make my knee not hurt. And for a while, I stopped squatting for a while because it, it was too painful on my knee. I just could not handle it. That all changed once I started doing the stretch because I realized that I have a big problem with ankle flexibility on my left leg. I, I literally cannot actually, and there's a test you can do where you try and and touch your knee against a wall from a certain like I think your hands worth distance from the wall you try to lean your knee as far forward without the heel coming up in order to see how much ankle flexibility you have so on one side I have very little ankle flexibility but on the other side I have actually quite a bit of ankle flexibility hence why my left knee always causes me so many problems because the ankle cannot flex like it's supposed to. And so again, my body is going to shift that load and the, and the knee and the bones and the knee are going to shift in order to get me into a full squat because it can't get the flexibility from the ankle. So doing this exercise, and I do it almost every day, has literally, I don't have knee pain anymore because of this exercise. And I still do some other stuff, like I said. And it's, the other stuff helped to an extent but this, I'm telling you, probably the best exercise I've ever done for my knees. It is, I will continue to do it every day for the rest of my stinking life because it has finally gifted me the freedom of having no knee pain. Finally. And so, again, I think my main two problems are I do have a flatter arch on the left side, which I'm working on. And then again, I do have that lack of ankle flexibility, probably stemming from that flat foot over time, causing my gait to be different, causing the, the ankle the ankle inflexibility there. That I think those are the main two reasons. Now, the third thing that I do that really helps me out is hitting the glute medius. And for those of you that don't know, you, do, you, you have multiple muscles in your glutes. It's not just one muscle. You actually have three different muscles in your glutes. You have your glute max, your glute medius, and then what's called the glute minimus. Now, the glute minimus, you don't really have to worry about. It's very tiny. However, the glute medius, which is essentially your hip, the sides of your butt are your glute medius. Now, if these are weak, then you will walk with an uneven gait, and this also leads to knee pain. So one of the things I have to do pretty consistently during my correctives is to hit my glute medius with some sort of clamshell. And for those of you that don't know what a clamshell is, you're essentially laying on one side with some sort of resistance in between your knees and then you're lifting one leg to like, well, one, one leg is planted on the side, like you're laying on your side and you're going to take one knee with resistance and try to 
bring it as far apart from the other knee as you can, keeping that other knee on the side, on the ground the whole time. And you'll do that both sides. And that is a great way to hit your glute medius, which again, the stronger your glute medius is, the better your gait and walk will be, and the less likely you will be to walk with an uneven gait, which can then lead to even more knee issues as your body compensates for this issue. So those are two main things I do pretty consistently. And I also do what's what are called uh, hypers, which are essentially just hitting, the, just getting the glute max a little bit of extra work. You know, I'll lay, I'll lay my stomach on some sort of bench uh, using my hands to hold underneath it. And then I'm the, the end of the bench is right, right below my pelvis. And I'm just going to lift up my backside, trying to squeeze the glutes, squeeze the hamstrings on the way up, bringing as high as I can. Those are glute hypers. Those are also really good for the glute max just to get a little extra work. Since we do do so much sitting, it's always good to hit the glute max a little bit. So those are just some of the correctives I've been doing and, and the difference it's been making for me has been so good. So I just had to share that with you guys. But that is it for the health part of this episode. Now we're going to get into some crypto. So as most of you, well, as you might not be aware, if you're not into cryptocurrency, Bitcoin and the major coins are actually in a bit of a correction. Now, if you listen to the FUD and the national media, they'll tell you that, uh, you know, Bitcoin's in a bear market and they'll drop a bunch of FUD about how it's going to drop to this price or that price or, you know, should bail out now, blah, blah, blah. And by now, I hope you've learned that mainstream media is mostly garbage. It's mostly funded by very rich people in power and very rich companies in power who don't want you, the average citizen, to know the truth, honestly. And maybe they don't even, maybe they think they're doing the right thing. I don't know. But regardless, there's a lot of monetary incentive for them to lie to you, for them to post a lot of FUD stories to help you to give up your cryptos so that they can buy more of them at a cheaper price and then ride that upswing higher. So again, mainstream media, please don't listen to it in really in any about anything. I mean, honestly, even I literally have not watched mainstream media in years. I don't ever plan on starting to anytime soon. I have plenty of other sources that I believe are far more trustworthy, far less monetarily incentivized to lie to me or to censor information. So more than happy to ditch mainstream media, a.k.a. Uh, the whoever's got the biggest pockets uh, can fund those stories on mainstream media. So please, please find other sources of news that are more trustworthy, that are not mainstream, so that you can see what's really going on in the world and not uh, what someone high in power or very rich would like you to believe about the world so that they can take more of your wealth. So. Bitcoin is in a correction. It's not in a bear market. If you look and do the technical analysis, which I do on a regular basis, you will see that we are actually creating a fractal of this that we've done actually multiple times now since our drop all the way down to 30,000. We've actually made multiple fractals now where we've hit a trend line or we've, we've, we've had a, a, a big rise, came down, had a correction, hit a trend line, popped up again, had a big rise, then came down, corrected, hit a trend line, and did it again. So this is playing out exactly. If you look at the charts, this is playing out perfectly than what we've already experienced. So, 
I'm not saying it's going to happen, you know, the next couple of days, but eventually we will get a bounce from this trend line, I believe, into another big rise, probably in the $80,000 range is what I would <clears throat> what I would guess. And then the same thing will happen. We'll, 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 and I think it's possible that if, as we break this next one, we could even have, we might not even come back for a retest for a while, mainly because if you look at some technical analysis on the monthly charts, you'll see we're actually making an ascending triangle on the monthly charts, which usually when you break out of an ascending triangle, it's like a straight shot for a while. So the fact that we're, we've been making an ascending triangle on the monthly candles means we're going to have some big fat candles once we break out through that triangle and it's going to be, it's going to go high. So I don't necessarily think we'll repeat this fractal again after this, after this rise. But anyway, what that being said, we are not in a bear market right now, unless it breaks that trend line and starts dropping. We are still in a bull trend. We are still continuing. The trend is your friend until the end or, and, or if it bends what I've heard another one recently. So do not freak out. Do not sell your cryptos. Keep them. Especially, highly, highly recommend, uh, the metaverse is massive right now. I have allocated a certain amount of my portfolio to metaverse coins, Sandbox, Mana, uh, Gala, which is a game. Metaverse is kind of the new it's it's kind of the future i believe uh for those of you who ever read the book ready player one when i read this book i went oh this is literally a book about the future like easily and i've i've even done some vr stuff at red red door and i was amazed i was like oh my i feel so immersed so look guys the metaverse and virtual reality there will come a time and what I'm not saying this is good or bad for people. I'm leaning more towards the bad side. Those of you, I watch a lot of Black Mirror, which probably leads me to that viewpoint. But again, I'm one person. I doubt I'm going to be able to stop this tide of an entire cultural movement. There will come a time, I'd say in the next 30 years, that's my prediction, where average people will attend parties, will attend work meetings, will attend school, will even go to work in virtual worlds. This will happen. You will go to school virtually. You will, maybe if, if I'm a gym instructor, maybe I meet people in a virtual gym and I go through a virtual class while they all virtually do the exercises from their living room, right? This is where I envision the future going. Now, I'm not saying that's good, good or bad. I mean, we are sort of attempting to avoid reality as much as possible and live in a new world that's not reality. But I guess it will be our new reality in a sense. And it will it will have its pros, you know, maybe more access to education for people because they can go to school anywhere in the world virtually. Uh, Maybe it gives just people more access to more, yeah, more, more things in general, just go to more places, kind of, you know what I mean? You can go virtually to certain places, I guess. Uh, Maybe it'll allow, you know, more friendships to happen from different places in the world. You can hang out with your friends from Europe, virtually anywhere. You know, we already kind of do this already with FaceTime where we like FaceTime each other. And so it's, 
or kind of hang. We're not in person, but we're still hanging out together kind of virtually. So imagine just that on like a grander scale where you have like your avatar and they have their avatar and you're kind of immersed in your VR and you can kind of see their avatar and you're interacting and doing whatever. And who knows how good the technology will be? You know, maybe it'll get to the point where you can actually feel and touch people and wear a haptic suit that allows you to do that, which again, if you read Ready Player One, you know what I'm talking about. So this may be awful for people, maybe good in some ways, but regardless, I'm going to go, I'm going to invest in, you know, what I think is going to the direction of the trend, essentially. So I'm uh, heavily invested in the metaverse. They are the coins that I've probably been trading the most recently because obviously, you know, I don't, I'm still learning how to short positions. I'm still, you know, have, well, in the US, we're kind of banned from shorting. So uh, I have other methods of being able to short things. But regardless, these coins have been really, really, really fun to trade recently because they have just been skyrocketing. So it's been really cool. And that's that's kind of the power of cryptos right now are these things just run. These things just go. This isn't Forex where, you know, things kind of have, they make their little run, they come back, they make the little run, come back. No, no, like you could buy in some, you could buy in a crypto and make, become a millionaire overnight from one of these cryptos. It's it's absolutely crazy. I, like I said, on my previous podcast invested in Crow, crypto.com coin at around eight cents. It's now worth over 70. It got as high as 90 cents based on the, the TA. I'm still seeing that it's still pretty bullish overall. So I still see a rise during this bull run of higher prices for Crow coin. So I've nearly more than quadrupled my initial investment. So I'm hoping the same thing happens with the metaverse. I'm again, I'm invested in the metaverse coins and I'm still continuing to trade them because they're pretty fun to trade. But anyway, it's, it's crazy times, crazy times in crypto. I'm still learning to trade. Trading is really hard. It's probably one of the hardest things ever. I absolutely love doing it, but it's so hard. It is so freaking hard. You have to manage so many emotions. If you're looking to get into day trading, don't make my mistake. Don't use real money. Trade off of just trade with a simulator for like months, like months before you make any actually money trades. Cause there is so much that you have to learn and there's so much information and details that you have to manage to become a, a successful trader. It, it, it requires incredible discipline, emotional discipline, and you have to be able to follow rules. I'm naturally kind of a rule breaker. So it's been tough to Tim. I know you want to get in this trade. I know you're eager. I know the FOMO is kicking in. I know the emotional state of the euphoria of the gains you could get from buying into this coin right now. I know how excited you are. And it's all emotion pumps you up. But is this following the rules? And many times I have to say, nope, as much as I want to buy this coin, I want to FOMO in. It does not meet the rules of my trading and I have to pass on it. And sometimes it'll still go up and I'll just be like, uh but you know what? I still followed my rules and that is what you have to do when it comes to trading. So if you're thinking about getting into day trading, please, please, please use a simulator for a while. Don't blow a bunch of money like I did trying to trade. Don't trade with leverage either. Not for a while. Eventually, you know, maybe 10x. That's it. Don't go more than 10x leverage. Again, 
I'm one of those people I have to kind of learn, kind of have to learn. I don't, I don't learn well unless I make the mistake. So I heard from many people, you know, only use a simulator or don't trade with leverage. I guess what I did, I traded real money without a simulator and I traded with leverage, too much leverage. And I got wrecked multiple times. <laughs> multiple, <coughs> multiple times. And I had to learn. I had to realize, oh, man, okay, I am not in control of my emotional state well enough to be able to do this. I don't have the rules and the fundamentals and the technicals down to do this. I just love the gamble. <laughs> so do those things. Learn from my mistake. Unless you're one of those people that needs to make the mistake. And then by all means, use leverage, over leverage yourself and don't use any sort of simulator. Just use real money right away and you'll learn real quick. You'll learn real quick. Oh boy, I got to be real, real careful with these trades. So I'll continue to give, give you guys updates on my technical analysis as it grows. Again, from what I've seen in the charts, we these these coins, even though they are at all-time highs, you know, Sandbox and Mana, Gala. There's one more that I had too that I'm blanking on at the moment. These are at all-time highs. And so there is people that would say, well, don't FOMO in at all-time highs. It's going to retrace. And I'm sure at some point it will retrace. However, based on what I'm seeing TA-wise, these still have room to grow. These aren't done yet. The weekly candles for these things and the weekly volume is pretty crazy to where I still think there's more room to go. So I still, I'm holding my mana. I'm holding my sandbox. I'm holding my gala. I'm holding strong right now until I see a, a change on the weekly and the monthly candles telling me that I need to start shifting my coins into some other coins. But again, the metaverse is new. It's brewing. It's, I mean, Facebook literally rebranded to meta. So they, and they hired like 10,000 employees from Europe or something, something crazy like that, who are now building, building their metaverse right now. Facebook. Now, I kind of hate Facebook, to be honest. They censor information way too much. I don't like any uh, any companies that really do that. So, not, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, I don't have to ever use their metaverse. Hopefully, there'll be other more decentralized metaverses that are more focused on uh, democracy and not so much decentralized power. So, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook's meta. I do not plan on using it. Again, it's going to be very centralized and it's going to be very much in control of very powerful people. And one of the reasons I love cryptocurrency so much is because we have found a way to actually democratize finance. Not with every coin, but specifically with Bitcoin, it is now so spread out to the point where it cannot be centralized. It's kind of impossible, essentially. And that is what makes the coin so damn valuable because there's a finance supply that will run out someday and nobody can print more. Nobody can print more. There's no centralized power that says, hmm, let's do a wealth transfer. Let's, you know, print money like crazy. So that way everyone who's already rich and invested is actually just going to, you know, make more as their stocks shoot to the sky. Right? So that's what happens when they print money. All the rich people who are super invested, guess where that money goes? Into the stock market and all their investments go up. Guess what happens to the poor people who don't have money invested? Maybe don't even have a bank account. Oh, yeah. Their spending power drops considerably. 
day after day after day. So the poor get poorer and the rich get richer. So why not invest in an asset that has a finite supply and is so decentralized that it can't be centralized so nobody can get together and say, hey, let's just print more of this because there's, it, just, it won't happen. There's too many nodes spread out too far and wide who will who bank off knowing that this is a finite coin. They don't want to make more. All the, all the cryptos are all developing mechanisms to be deflationary. They are developing burning mechanisms. They are developing just, again, deflationary methods because they realize that the power of currency is that there is a finite supply and that's what you use and that's how money should be. May, I mean, maybe it could be slightly inflationary, but for the most part, it should be a finite supply and it moves around. And you just, you know, obviously not everyone's going to be rich. Not everybody's going to be poor. Some people will be really bad with their money. Some people will be really good with their money. I had a great lesson from our economics teacher in high school who said, if you literally took all the money in the entire world and you spread it out evenly, you gave everyone the $200 or whatever. I don't know how much it would be if you split all the money up. Every single person in the entire world, give them each $200. Guess what would happen? Things would go right back to the way they were. Because some of those people would go out and immediately, guess what? Below that money on stuff that doesn't make them any money. Like cars, which depreciate in value the moment you drive them off the lot. Why do so many people buy brand new cars? Literally, that thing is going to cost you so much money. Insurance, gas, repairs, and it's just deflationary. Why invest so heavily in that? Buy things that make you money. Buy stocks. Stocks make you money. Crypto makes you money. I bought some uh, some crypto miners that I set up, helium miners, because they make me money passively. Right? I spend my money on investments, real estate. Real estate makes me money. It appreciates. Why spend your money on stuff that just costs you more money. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's not a good. Now, of course, I mean, we all spend money on, you know, I spend money on food and you don't necessarily, that doesn't make you money necessarily. Although I do believe that the better quality food you're eating, the more you're going to be able to make because you'll just be more productive of a person because you'll, you're just going to feel and produce better. And that's a big part of my channel. I talk about, Hey, like you want to be more productive, start eating really good and watch your level of productivity rise. Watch as the the, the 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 levels of pain in your body drop. Watch as the amount of energy in your body increases. Watch as your mental awareness and mental strength and the creativity of your mind explode because you're giving your body the right nutrition. And all of a sudden, once you have that kind of energy, wow, the, the, the things you can accomplish, right? You can do things you never thought possible because your anxiety, your depression is lower. Your pain levels are lower. Those are things that distract you from your your potential. Those are things that take away from what you were designed to do. You know, those aren't things that are supposed to happen necessarily. So reduce those with good nutrition. And so again, so I like circling back around there to an extent, what you buy in buying healthy food can actually make you money. I think in the long run, not only that, whew, how about the lack of medical bills? If you ate nutritionally really, really well. And again, follow my channel, YouTube, Next Level Health, if you want to find out how to do that. 
you'll learn my philosophy on what I think is true sustainable nutrition that it goes counterculture to what you'll get from your regular average trainer or nutritionist or whatnot. But the amount of medical bills you'll save in time, not having to go to the doctor every time, not having to be on uh, all these medications, 20 different medications, right? For blood pressure, for, you know, all sorts of stuff. There's a pill for everything nowadays. And their doctors are incentivized to direct you to those because big pharma makes a lot of money and pays them a lot of money to push their products. So, which is why I'm not saying don't trust your doctor. I'm saying question your doctor, ask him, do I really need this? Is there a more natural way I can heal this before I jump to a pill? How incentivized are you doctor to push this pill? What kind of bonuses do you get? What kind of bonuses does the hospital get? for selling a certain amount of XYZ drug, for doing XYZ amount of surgeries. You know what they say? If you take a surgeon, a knee surgeon, and you put him into a new place, all of a sudden there's more knee surgeries. And you could say, hey, maybe some of those people need nerve surgeries. Or you could say that the knee surgeon's got to make money. So he might be pushing for more knee surgeries so he can make more money. So maybe it's not all, oh my gosh, there's just so many people with bad knees there. Maybe some people are getting knee surgeries that they really don't need. All right. That's just the, that's just the way it is, unfortunately. And so question your doctor. Don't, you know, they are not God. They are not. Yes. They went to school for a while. That's great. But again, like I mentioned on this, on this podcast before a general practitioner who you probably go see for your checkups knows less about nutrition than I do. They only take two nutrition classes. I could I could smoke your general practitioner with nutrition. And the sad part is, I think the studies show that nutrition is far and away the most potent healer of all sorts of chronic diseases. But yet, your general practitioner doesn't know crap about nutrition. Doesn't know crap. Which doesn't make any sense to me. I think that if you're becoming a doctor the very first classes that you should be taking, you should have to take an entire year's worth of nutrition classes before moving on to the next step. Why on earth would you become a doctor and be trained on just all these different pills and medications? And yeah, they do, you know, obviously they train them on how to do, you know, emergencies and using emergency type drugs and emergency surgeries. And of course, of course, a lot of stuff is is super important, right? If you come in from a car accident and they've got a, you know, seal up arteries and you know of course of course 100 that stuff is important i'm not saying it's not but again if we're talking any issues that aren't emergency life-threatening you know you've had bodily you know damage to yourself from a car or a knife or or something you've been shot right anything that's not a emergency bodily body trauma right most of those things that aren't that can be healed through nutrition, can be healed through proper nutrition. All the chronic diseases of our time, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, the biggest killers in America, it's it's food, it's nutrition, it's ingredients. That's that's what that's what's killing most people. It's not it's not the it's not the car accidents. It's not the you know being people being shot or murdered. Biggest killer Cancer, diabetes, heart disease, all food related. So the biggest killers of our time 
are all food related, then why the heck are our general practitioners barely taking any nutrition classes? It just it just it doesn't make sense to me. If if I'm legitimately trying to make my population of people the healthiest poss- possible people, that would be the number one focus for my doctors to be learning is all the ways that just eating well can completely heal and transform your body. Then we go from there. Then we can continue on to, okay, you have this rare case of this. Okay, now we can develop some medications for that, some drugs for that, blah, blah, blah. You know, obviously, you know, emergency situations, you have to be on medication for a bit because something in your body's not working properly. You know, of course, we will tackle that after we tackle what is killing majority of the people. And that's, again, nutritional diseases. So... That's my rant for the day. Sorry, I went to a little, went from crypto back to health for a little bit, because uh, I kind of feel like they're related in some ways, just in terms of just the, you know, again, like I said, eat well, more likely to be more productive, hence make more money. Don't know where I was going with that, but anyway, these are just my my rants, my thoughts for the day. So, guys, anyways. Hopefully you are investing in some cryptocurrency. Hopefully you are buying the dip, the Bitcoin dip, the different dips in all the different great coins like Dot, Luna. Actually, Luna's popping off right now. I've just put in some trades on Luna. And I have some Luna stashed from a while ago. I bought it in the 30s. It's now in the 50s. So it's Luna's a very cool, very cool crypto. And it has a lot of awesome. Let me tell you this. If you're okay, if you're listening to this channel right now and you're already super wealthy. Go on the anchor protocol for Luna. Literally, stake your money in stable coins, which are tied to US the US dollar. Make 30 to 40% APY. Let me tell you this right now. If I had over $100,000, which I don't, I probably wouldn't even bother trading. I probably wouldn't even bother in DeFi. And farming, I probably wouldn't even bother in trying to do any sort of... I would literally just take my money, put it into Anchor Protocol on Luna, stake that crap, get 30 to 40% on my 100 grand, and know that I'm making 30 to 40K per year passively. I know for some people that's still not that much, but that's on top of your initial investment, which isn't changing. And then now you have time to, to like, what do you want to, because now you can make money in other ways, doing stuff you actually want to do, right? Like, obviously, again, I'm at a point where I don't, I don't have that much capital to just dump into stable coins and get, because and, you can get on other exchanges, you can get, you know, 12%, 10%, 8% back on your stable coins. Again, Anchor Protocol is pretty cool in that you can get 30 to 40%. Because uh, you have to do, oh, what? Well, you have to go through Anchor Protocol and Mirror Protocol as well. So you have to go through both of those protocols to get the, the full 30 to 40%. But the reason I still trade and I still do these other things is because I don't have that much capital yet to where I can just literally put all my money into just stable coins and let that and just keep getting those yields. Right? I still I still need to make a little bit more day to day to get by. So I'm still immersed in trade. And I, I do enjoy trading. In general, I just think it's fun to analyze and predict, and it's what I've always loved to do and love to be good, love to do basically, and have been good at. So, 
But again, if you're super wealthy, you got 100K in the bank, dude, take a huge chunk of that, throw it in Anchor Protocol, get 30 to 40% and just chill and just live your freaking best life. Just go go spend more time with your kids. Go spend more time with your family. Shoot, start like start your own business. Whatever it is, whatever it is you're feeling, just go do that instead. It's just, again, buy something that's going to make you money. That's my, my dream one day is to eventually have anywhere from like a hundred to a million dollars and just have that stuff just sitting in, you know, and, that, and at that point, if I got, if I got that wealthy, I'd probably put some, I'd probably put some in some dividend stocks. You know, I'm not against stocks by any means. I'd throw some in some dividend stocks, get eight to eight to 12% on dividend stocks. And then I'd have a bunch in crypto staking and uh, crypto yield farming into some different things just to, you know, make some more, more passive income. But yeah, that's that's the goal, man. I got some helium miners. I one helium miner up right now, kind of working with it, trying to maximize profits there. I got another one I'm gonna set up at a friend's house soon. Hopefully, maximize. I got a third one coming in the mail here at some point. So, really hoping I can make turn that into a lucrative uh, option, but still still requiring a little bit of fine tuning just to try to get it get it right. But anyway, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of Next Level Health and Crypto. Hopefully, you are taking your health to the next level. And you're taking your crypto gains to the next level because these are two things that I am very, very passionate about and enjoy thoroughly, which is why I like to talk about them here on my podcast, guys. So anyways, thanks for listening, guys. Make sure to subscribe. Well, I, guess not always, I keep thinking from YouTube saying subscribe. I think you just follow it. No, I think you can subscribe to podcasts. I don't even remember anymore. It's been so long since I've been doing podcasts. But anyway, subscribe to my pod so that way you get more episodes. I'm trying to do at least one a week. Sorry, I just really like talking. I like the sound of my own voice, so that's why you just keep hearing me ramble on here. But anyway, guys, take your health to the next level. Take your crypto gains to the next level. I'll see you guys on the next one. And uh, Tim out.